All right, church. How's everybody doing today? Good. I'm excited to see all you guys. Um, I don't know if you're visiting us today, if someone told you to come, or it's just your lucky day. Uh, but I'm glad you're here, and I'm excited to share the message that God has put on my heart for me to share with you today. So let me start by first making a declaration. I said at first service, I'll say it unashamedly right now. I love Costco. Anybody else with me? Anybody else? Okay, okay, I got some Costco people in the house, a few guys. Now, I know, I know, sometimes you have to buy a lot. But the thing I love about Costco, the reason I love, about, I love Costco is that they have this sign at the entrance uh, by the service section that says, we stand behind every product that we sell. If you are not satisfied, just bring it right back. You know that you can buy things at Costco and you can test them out, trial run them. You can use them. And if it doesn't work out for you, you're welcome to bring it back. Now, I have seen people, because I stand in line sometimes, I have seen people bring back some weird stuff, like, like half-finished loaves of bread, uh, food items. I have seen people bring truck, uh, cartfuls of stuff, mattresses, TVs. You can bring anything back, just about. There is a limit, though, and they put you on the record, just so you know. Those of you guys that are like frequent flyers, they do put you on the record. Just, I don't know why I know that, but I know. Um, the thing is, the thing is, what I love about it, though, is that you can try something and, and figure it out, test it for yourself, right? Uh, I think it's a fantastic selling mechanism because, because most of us don't want to f- buy stuff on blind faith, not even on someone else's recommendation, although that sometimes tends to work. We want to know if it's really going to work for us. We want to try it out ourselves, right? That's why we love places that take returns, no questions asked. Some places, you have to have the tag still on it, right? Tag still on it. In its original wrapping with the box, unused, unworn, but not Costco. You can use it. You don't like it. Bring it back. I love that because you get to test it out for yourself. Test it yourself. That's what our conversation is about today. See for yourself. The story is familiar. I'm going to invite you to follow along with me. We're in Daniel chapter 1, the book of Daniel chapter 1. There's a Bible in a pew in front of you, but I encourage you to get your smartphones out. I'll let you do it. Don't worry about it. No shame in it. Uh, get your smartphones out. Daniel chapter 1. Uh, we began uh, talking about Daniel at the end of the year last year, but we were talking about some of the serious chapters, 7, 8, and 9, We talked about prophecy and found this fantastic testimony about Daniel's faithfulness and his ability to to decipher messages from God and give them to his people. But but we didn't talk about some of probably your favorite stories, the ones at the beginning. And I want to talk about one of these in particular. It's not unfamiliar to you. You'll know it. And and, uh, I just want us to look at it with fresh eyes. By the way, uh, I want to make sure I mention this. I get excited. And when I get excited, I talk a little bit too fast. So if I'm going too fast for you. You can download our app and you can listen to our sermons on your way home at half the speed if you like. That's just fine. Or one and a half if you don't got much time, all right? Uh, So forgive me if I get excited and I'm going too fast. Here we go. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. Is everybody there? Say amen. Amen. All right, all right. I'm going to take you out your word here. Daniel 1, chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar who? Come on, you, you, when do you get to say that name out loud? Say it, say it, Nebuchadnezzar. Turn to the person next to you and say, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, some of y'all aren't doing it, so I'm going to wait till, till everybody does it. Okay, turn to the person next to you and say, Nebuchadnezzar. There you go, see? It's just, this makes you feel better. Just got to say it, all right? 
Uh, so I'm encouraging you. Use the Bible, all right? This week, when somebody, you know, cuts you off, you just say, Nebuchadnezzar, all right? You just go ahead. It's a great name to express feelings. Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible tells us, it's a very famous name. Nebuchadnezzar tells us here, uh, he was a king of Babylon. He came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The truth is, he wasn't yet king. He was about to be king because while he was out besieging, his father was dying back home. But the Bible says that, that he came to Jerusalem and besieged it, which is true. And the Lord delivered the king of Judah into his hands along with some of the articles from the temple. And Nebuchadnezzar carried these things from the temple and took them back to Babylonia and to put it in the house of his God. And then the king, this is Nebi. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his own court, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So what these uh, conquering kings would do, just so you know the, the, the strategy here, is when they invaded a nearby territory, they always kidnapped some of the royals, the princes. There's a reason for that. One, to sap them of their strength, to sap them of their royalty, but then they would bring them to their kingdoms and train them, acculturate them, enculturate them, and kind of make them loyal to this new crown. That way, when that old king died, they would put one of their uh, trained sort of like uh, turncoats. That was their goal. They would bring somebody who's familiar with the, the, the governing Babylonians. So they did this all the time. And in this particular case, they, they, they besiege Jerusalem and they take the Jewish princes and they bring them back to Babylonia. <clears throat> but in specific, King Nebi asked for young men without any physical defect. Are you reading this? Verse 4? Anybody there? You there with me? Young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve. I like that. By the way, ladies, this should be on your card right there. This should be your card. Anybody text you, you're like, are you um, well qualified to serve, uh, quick to understand, right? That should be, yeah. Uh, when somebody says, hey, you know, what you doing? You're like, are you? This is how you respond to anyone that's unwanted text, all right, ladies? This is how you respond, okay? So the king said, I only want the best of the best, the cream of the crop. So he picked, you got to get this, handsome, no physical defect. I mean, these guys look good. These guys were good looking. They were probably, yeah, I see the lady sweating over there over here just thinking about it. No worries. You're going to understand why, though. You're going to understand why. So the Bible tells us that, 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 that the king got these princes, brought them back, and he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Verse 5, read along with me. And the king assigned them, these, these princes, these captive princes, a daily amount of food and wine from the king's own table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were going to enter the king's service. So at the very beginning, this is not something that you don't know, but we're just going to highlight these things. The king says, I'm going to train you. You're going to learn. I'm already choosing the best of the best, but I'm going to make you even better. And in order to achieve that, I'm going to give you a daily portion of the food and wine from the king's table. Now, what do you, kind of food do you think was at the king's table? The best of the best. The best of the best. Uh, think like, uh, I know it's a stretch. You wouldn't know anything about this. But Vegas uh, um, buffet. Yes. Oh, see, you do know something about that. Yeah. With all manner of things, all manner of delicacies, 
Uh, that's what the king would eat, the finest of the finest, the best of the best. And this was a portion to them, the best of the best. Except that there's a few young men who didn't kind, take kindly to this particular invitation. Verse 6, follow with me. Among these who were taken from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You might not recognize them by those names except for Daniel, but you will certainly recognize the names that were given. Because the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel he named... Hmm, Belteshazzar, that's right. Now, we're going to just go over this because I, I think it's really cool. It's really important. Daniel's name, the Hebrew, means God is my judge. But the new name he was given is Bel, which is the, the Babylonian god, also known as Marduk, protect the king. So Daniel's giving a new name, a different kind of name. It means something completely different. The next person we have is Hananiah, right? Hananiah, whose name means Yahweh is gracious, but he's given a new name. Shadrach, which means under the command of Aku. Aku is another Babylonian god. So while his original name, he's claiming uh, God is gracious, the new name pledges allegiance to a new god. Same thing for Mishael. Mishael's name is who is what God is. In other words, there's no one like God, but he's given a new name. Who is what Aku is. So they're being renamed, re-identified. And last, Azariah, which means Yahweh helps. But he's given the name Abednego, servant of Nabu. Servant of Nabu. Look at this. Their original names describe their identity. Look at it. God is my judge. The Lord is gracious. There is no one like our God, for the Lord is my help. Somebody say amen. What a group of four friends, right? That's a song right there. Land, that's a song. It's written right there. That's a song right there. God is gracious. He is my judge. There's no one like him, but they are given these other names that pledge allegiance to other gods. You see, what the Babylonians try to do, they try to strip their identity and their allegiance, and they try to forge a new identity, association with other things. But the Bible tells us here that Daniel did not want to go along with the plan. Verse 7, uh, sorry, verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Uh, <clears throat> in my version, I don't know what it says in yours, but in my version, that word, defile, is not a word we commonly use. But to be defiled means to, 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 to be dirty, to be sullied, uh, to lose value. Um, and it's fascinating because it's pretty brave of Daniel to say at this Vegas buffet, this stuff is gross. I don't want to dirty my hands, sully my good name with your junk food. Pretty brave, I think. Pretty brave. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. And now you might ask why. What would he take such a brave stance? Why would someone? I mean, would you pass up the Vegas buffet? Don't say yes, because I know you haven't. <laughs> would you pass it up? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. The dessert table is always hard to pass up. You know, they make all those little plates, and you just want to get more than one, right? Anybody with me? No one? Come on, don't lie. You're like, I'll take this one. I'll take that one. I'll take this one. <gasps> Ooh, tiramisu. Ooh, right, I know you. I see you. I see you. But the Bible says Daniel resolved. Resolved. That means he made up his mind. He had made a decision. But why would a young man pass up this opportunity, the best of the best, food of a king? Well, it's simple. The Seventh-day Adventist Bible commentary says there's a handful of simple reasons why he would not defile himself. Number one, 
as a pious Jew, someone who grew up in Judaism, he knew that they were serving unclean meats. That's right. Leviticus, everyone. Leviticus. Unclean meats. He knew. Number two, he also knew that the clean meats they were serving were not prepared in the right way. They weren't kosher. The Bible has instructions as to how to fillet and how to cook, how to bleed an animal so that you are uh, less susceptible to its diseases. They also knew, he also knew that they always sacrificed a portion of their table to their gods, Aku, Marduk, the people I've mentioned. And so he didn't want to be a part of that. And then the commentary tells us that Daniel and his friends also knew that they had grown up in a household of temperance. That means knowing when to say when. That's why they were handsome, good-looking, perfect in every way. And now indulging in the, all these delicacies when it was contrary to temperance. And they decided they didn't want to sabotage their health, their good looks, and their well-being. So they said, no, I will not defile myself with the royal food and wine. However, the, you know, the story, the king's guards, the king's officials said, wait a minute, I can't let you do that. The official told Daniel, I'm afraid the king who has assigned your food, what would he do? Why, why should he see you looking worse off than the other young men your age? Then the king would hold me responsible. See, the prevailing notion is that you will be worse off if you don't eat those delicacies. If you don't eat all those good buffet-style foods. That's the prevailing notion. But Daniel has a great comeback for this. Right there, very next verse. Verse 11, then Van Daniel said to the servant, chapter 1, verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. Please test us. Mm. That's a challenge right there, right? Sounds like a challenge. Please test us. Test us. Give us 10 days where we eat this other diet and everyone else eats what you give them. And then after 10 days, you compare. You decide. Verse 1, I mean verse 13, he says, after you see the 10 days, then treat us in accordance to what you see. Treat us in accordance to what you see. Test for yourself. Test for yourself. Prevailing notion there, this one is much more widely accepted. See for yourself. That's why I buy a Costco. That's why you do it too. If you don't like it, return it. That's what Daniel says. See for yourself. Test, and then you decide. He doesn't shame. He doesn't guilt. He doesn't high and mighty. He says, put us to the test. Ten days. Now, I know what you're thinking. Ten days? It's not a whole lot of time, right? It's not a whole lot of time to see big changes. Ten days. But... Worse than that, did he really say nothing but vegetables? <laughs> How does your translation say? What does your translation say? If you're reading the King James, it'll say pulse in there. And you're like, what is a pulse? <laughs> Give us pulse to eat. <laughs> That's an old word. It, it, it essentially means vegetation, things of, of the plants. But in the original language, I love this, fascinating. In the original language, the word there uh, is, is, is the root word is, is zero. And what it means is seed. So what, what he's asking is, give us food of the seeds, of the seeds. And I love that because I went back to Genesis 1. Some of our 
favorite verses there where God says when he creates Adam and Eve, he says, I give you, Genesis 1, I give you every seed-bearing plant and every fruit-bearing tree. This will be yours for food. It's the same word, same root word. So you know what he's asking? He's asking for what you and I have always known, God's original diet. Seeds, fruits, nuts, plant food. He's asking for food derived from plants. Because I know you're thinking to yourself, uh-oh, I came to church on the wrong day. What the heck? Uh, but listen, I'm just here to help you. Bless you with what God is blessing me and trying to bless our community. Daniel says, give us food derived from plants. Anything but vegetables will also mean cereals, uh, rice, beans. That's the way it's a good combination right there, just rice and beans. Rice, beans, all kinds of veg vegetables and fruits and roots, all kinds of stuff he could have as long as it was plant-derived. It wasn't just, you know, a plate full of salad. It was, it was full. It was robust. He was asking for plant-derived foods, plant-based food, plant power. And then he says, and then see for yourself. See for yourself. And, of course, you guys know what happened. What happened? At the end of 10 days. No one knows? Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Next verse. <laughs> Chapter 51, uh, verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nursed than any of the young men who ate the king's royal food. They looked better nourished and healthier. Now, 10 days does seem kind of a stretch, right? 10 days. See, here's the thing. Daniel made a spiritual decision about a physical reality. And when these two things merge, God's supernatural ability steps in. In fact, the commentaries tell us that, uh, uh, look, the Bible says, actually right there, in verse 1, I mean, chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says right there that to these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and of learning. And Daniel could even understand visions and dreams. See, when they were faithful to follow God's instructions, God delivered even more than what they would have gotten on their own. God gave them understanding of all kinds of literature and knowledge. The commentary puts it this way. God blessed them because their refusal to blunt their spiritual and moral nature by indulging their appetite. They refused to blunt their spirituality by indulging in their appetite. They refused to shortchange themselves morally by filling what they wanted to eat, what would be good, what would be appealing to the eye. And you don't like the sound of that. I can tell. That's all right. The Bible also tells us right there that the king came at the end of the three-year period because the, the, the cook said, 10 days? I'm just going to leave you on this diet. And at the end of the three-year period, the king examined them himself. You can read it for yourself. Verse 19. At the end of the time, the, the Nebuchadnezzar came, and he talked to them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. None equal. And so they entered into his service. In fact, in verse 20, he says, the Bible says that in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them to be ten times better than anybody else in the kingdom. Ten times better. Isn't that cool? You know what that means? Commentary says that they excelled at their profession. They were masters of science, astronomy, mathematics, writing and language. They learned new languages and were able to command them and express them. And the question I have for you today is, don't you want to be ten times better? No one, 
No one. You're happy where you are. You reach the peak. You're at the pinnacle. You're the best of the rest, right? Don't you want to be ten times better? You don't want to say amen because you're like, <laughs> well, there's a catch in here, right? There's a catch. Oh, yeah, you know there's a catch. I told you I'm going to challenge you. I want a summer challenge you. See for yourself. It's what the Bible says. It's what the Bible proposes. Don't you want to be ten times better? Do like Daniel. Test for yourself. See for yourself. Here we go. Every, every Sabbath this, this month in July, it's a summer challenge. We need a summer challenge. And I'm challenging you with something new. Today, I'm going to challenge you to honor God with your diet. Oh, liars groan in the congregation. Oh, not one of those Sabbaths. Oh, can he just talk about money? <laughs> Look, I, I know this is complicated and everyone's, you know, particular, but I'm going to try to make it simple. Here's my summer challenge. Honor God with your diet. For the next two weeks, come on, everybody, two weeks, two weeks, the last two weeks of July, just July, why don't we try eating more green, less red? Say it with me. More green, less red. Now, if you came here with somebody, husband, wife, brother, sister, turn to them and say, more green, less red. Go ahead, do it. Go ahead, do it. Go ahead, do it. Now, I realize, I realize it's easier said than done. I get that. But, but, but I, and I'm not telling you something you don't already know, but I want to make sure we drive this point home and emphasize it clearly. Why, Pastor? Why should we? Why? Well, it's very simple. Listen, uh, a study published in 2017, British Journal, said that uh, they looked the whole world over, and, and I want you to catch this, they studied the whole world over death mortality rates, and what they found in 2017, just a couple years ago, 11 million deaths around the whole world could have been avoided by having a better diet. And, and read it there for yourself. I just, I just captured this from the internet. Look at this. One-fifth of the deaths around the world were associated with poor diets. What's a poor diet? A diet that is short on fresh vegetables, short on seeds, short on nuts, but heavy on sugar, salt, and trans fats. And where do we get trans fats? <laughs> From fried foods and meats. Mm. 11 million deaths could have been prevented. 11 million people, 11 million. That's a lot. That's a lot. If we have a better diet, we increase our opportunities to live longer, healthier, better nourished, 10 times better. I have some bad news for you guys who like to eat meat, though. This was just published last month, uh, June, uh, on the USA Today. A new study found out that increasing red meat consumption is tied to higher risk of early death. What they said is if you eat regular, whatever your portion is, and you just add half a portion, four ounces, that's half a palm a day, you increase your chance of dying early by 10%. And the more you eat, the higher percentages. So it's killing us. The world over and right here. So I'm challenging you. Let's eat more green and less red. More green and less red. Look at this. I know you can't really see this, but it's summer season and people are barbecuing. Maybe you did it on the 4th of July. Uh, here's what the research has, was just published, uh, reveals. That when we cook meats at high temperatures, especially under the open flame, we actually increase the chances of, 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 uh, of contracting cancer. I'm going to read it for you, see? The, the, the intense and high heat on the grills 
leads to the formation of potential carcinogens. These special substances are released. You know why? Because the fat of the meat boils over, you know. The fat of the meat boils over, it lands on the fire, burns up some more, and then it creates these little things that bind to the meat that when you ingest them are carcinogenic. They're causing cancer. And you know what they said? The suggestion at the bottom, it says, get creative. Try barbecuing more plant foods. Grilled veggies and fruits are delicious, and they don't form carcinogens when they're, when they're uh, barbecued. Can you believe that? Now, that's not an Adventist thing at all. But they're telling you something that we've known as Adventist for so long. Now you're looking at me, you're like, oh, pastor, I, can I leave now? See, there's one. There you go. Uh, can I leave now? Can I leave now? I love you, man. He's going to the bathroom. I'm just, just picking on him. Okay. Can I leave now? But I just, I, you need to know the truth. My promise to you at the beginning of this week is that we would be biblically aware. And this is what the Bible is telling us right there in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel resolves not to defile himself because he knows that physical obedience is, is, is precedent to spiritual obedience. And so the Bible continues. And my challenge to you is more green, less red. Are you with me? Ah, some of you are like, I don't know, Pastor. Okay, we're going to talk about it. A few objections. I know you have them. You're like, amen, but I'm not going to do it. A few objections. One, number one, it's not enough protein. Pastor, I can't get all my protein from my big muscles. I work hard. I don't get enough protein from those veggies and all that salad. I'm not a rabbit. Well, here's the truth. Research, world over. All the countries are listed there, seven, uh, 7 billion in the population. On the far right, the last column that you see is the U.S. and Canada. And what you'll see there, the red line it represents the protein you're getting from meat, and the green represents uh, the protein you're getting from vegetables. The black line represents how much you need. Here's the truth. You are already getting almost all the protein you need solely from the few vegetables that you eat. But what you are doing is you're overeating protein from animals more than twice what is recommended. You see that? So you don't need that much. In fact, they say if you eat more greens and less meats, you'll have plenty of protein, plenty of protein in order to satisfy your daily requirements. More green, here's all you need to know, bro. More green, less red. Next one. Next objections. I know some of you guys were like, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, someone said to me, Pastor, I don't eat red meat. I made sure it's cooked well done. Ah, that was... I was like, haha, yeah, bad joke, bad joke. Some people say to me, Pastor, you don't have to worry about me. I just eat chicken and, and feed white meat, turkey. You know, I don't eat that red meat stuff. Oh, I have bad news for you guys. <clears throat> Research public, just June 4, 2019, red and white meats are equally bad for cholesterol. It didn't matter. You know, they did this cross-sectional study, whether you were a smoker or a drinker and all the others, but regardless... Red and white meats raise your cholesterol level. It's high in fat. And that high in fat is going to lead to not just obesity, but high blood pressure, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, i.e., you will die sooner. Worse, for some of us, you won't just die, you will be impaired. Impaired. It's called disability-affected life years. You might live, but not to the fullest. You following me? You following me? So... Guess what? More green, less red, and less white. <laughs> I see some of you guys are like, oh, dang it. <laughs> less red and less white. And still, other objections. 
Oh, pastor, it's too difficult to cook. I don't know how to make gluten. Who knows how to make gluten? Hey, hello, have you ever heard of the ABC? It's right there by the Paradise Valley Church. You can just walk in and buy cans of pre-made soy proteins of all kinds. Microwaveable, bakeable, uh, uh, in a can. We eat fried chicken almost every day. Kids love that stuff. And Walmart has it. They have a whole section on, 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 on veggie substitutes. Vons has it. Even food trucks sell vegetarian options. You live in San Diego. It's like the birthplace of veganism. It feels like it, all right? There is no reason. It's not too difficult. Every single restaurant that you go has a non-meat option. And they're usually the better ones. <clears throat> Another objection. But pastor, pastor, I don't know. All that, all that veggie stuff doesn't taste good. Yes, you're right. I once had a well-meaning sister in the church make me lunch one time when I was in a San Diego Academy beach day. And man, not even the seagulls would eat that stuff. You just... <laughs> It was really bad. I get it. I get it. You've got some horror stories. But things have improved. And you can certainly, there's plenty of cookbooks, plenty of information. And, and not just that, not just something that you can do, but, but things are being created. Check it out. Anybody like hot dogs? Yes? Yes? Does that look good to you? This is a hot dog created by a company called Moving Mountains, based out of London, England. It is plant-based. But you will notice it is uniquely not cased. It doesn't have that, you know, casing the hot dogs usually have. You know why? Because it's made to feel, taste, and texture. The first bite, they say, is the most important. Just like a Nathan's hot dog, which is also caseless. So which one do you want to eat? This one or this one? Which one looks appetizing to you? This one or this one? You decide. Hey, I'm telling you the truth. I'm in the boat with you. I like hot dogs. Look at what I got. I just got this this week. That's my hot dog right there, my fries. And I don't know if you can tell, but right back there, that's a taco. That's a taco. But it's a veggie taco. I got it in TJ at a gastronomic park in TJ off a of food truck in TJ. If it's in TJ, <laughs> it's in San Diego. That was a good kind of style taco, by the way, also. It's everywhere. It's not difficult, and it tastes great. It tastes great. But I know. You're saying, but pastor, oh, I don't know, being vegetarian. Well, I'm not telling you to be vegetarian. I'm saying eat less red, less white. Start some. The most difficult step is the first one. Start somewhere and make gains. More green, less red, less, less white. But it's weird, pastor. Well, you know, some of the most weird people on earth were vegetarians. Did you know that uh, Benjamin Franklin was vegetarian? Hmm? I know some of you are all activists out there. Rosa Parks, famous vegetarian. That's right. Credited for starting the civil rights movement. Rosa Parks, right, right. Uh, some of you are artists. Leonardo da Vinci, rumored to be vegetarian. Hmm? Hmm? And uh, some of you want to be smart. Albert Einstein. Let me quote him for you. Albert Einstein. So I am living without fats, without meat, without fish, but I am feeling quite well this way. It always seems to me that man was not born to be a carnivore. So, do you want to be 10 times better, Albert Einstein? Do you want to be, uh, 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 you know, Rosa Parks? Or do you want to be Joey here with the... <laughs> he ate 73 Nathan's hot dogs to win the prize this year. That's, that's the 2018. Your choice, your choice. 
Because what we discovered in our summer challenge is everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Oh, but I know what you're saying, Pastor. It's weird, and I don't know about those ancient people. Well, you know, some very famous modern-day people are not just vegetarian, but vegan. Joaquin Phoenix, girls are like, who is that? I don't know. Ariana Grande is vegan. Jessica Chastain is vegan. Academy Award-nominated actress Jessica Chastain is vegan. I am vegan. I don't torture anything. But the guys are like, oh, they're a bunch of girls. Well, <laughs> Thor's brother is vegan. <laughs> now, he may not wield that hammer, but he's, he's still Thor's brother, okay? What's that? Oh, the Hunger Games. No, that's, we don't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Thor's brother is vegan. But here, more importantly, you're another objection. People say, oh, pastor, what difference does it make? It just doesn't make any difference. God does not care what I eat. Well, I want to quote you something that um, it's going to be a little bit harsh, so buckle up. Ellen White says in Councils of Diet, right physical habits promote mental superiority. Intellectual power, physical strength, and longevity depend on immutable, unchangeable laws. Nature is God. The God of nature will not interfere to preserve men from the consequences of violating nature's laws. You know what she's saying? She's saying God's not going to step in and save you from your own poor diet choices. And that hurts. Because that's what most of us sometimes are praying for. We got ourselves in a mess and now we just want God to dissolve the clots and remove the cholesterol. But she says, nature's laws are by God's order. Why would he intervene against your own choice? It's not what he does. Now, don't mistake this. When we repent and come to God, God is ready. But to laugh in the face of God and say, I don't care, you don't care what I eat, is a tragedy with your name on it. That's from her word. Listen, here's what I want you to know. Our spiritual obedience is trained by our physical obedience. Daniel does not survive the lion's den without passing this first test. He doesn't get to pray through the night in the, mouth of, in the face of the mouth of lions if he doesn't first not defile himself. you got to understand, our spiritual obedience is trained by physical obedience. If you can't pass up on something that's not good for you here, you will not pass up on something that's not good for you out there. You will not stand up for God in the last day if you can't stand up for God in this day. That's why Daniel says, I will not defile myself. Oh, boy, okay. This is really small, but I just, I have to read it to you because it's, it's troubling my spirit. This is Ellen White, and this is what she says. There are many amongst professed Christians today who would decide that Daniel was too particular, that he was narrow-minded and bigoted, and they consider the matter of eating and drinking of too little consequence to, to, to require such a stand, one involving sacrifices. But those who reason this way will find the day of judgment that they turn from God's requirements and set up their own opinion as a standard of right and wrong. And they will find that what seemed to them unimportant was not regarded that way by God. His requirements should be sacredly obeyed. Those who accept and obey his precepts only because it's convenient to do so, while they reject others when it requires sacrifice, they lower the standard of right and by their example lead others to lightly regard the holy law. 
It is not insignificant. Ellen White is saying, if you don't care about this, you teach others not to care about what God says. God's original intent. You know this. You know this. We talked about this last week. Listen, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Peter says, so live as free people, but don't use your freedom to indulge and cover up your evil. Don't use your, 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 your free will to indulge in sins and indulge the appetite. No, no, no. Listen, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use it to indulge the flesh. Listen, I'm just challenging you. Test and see for yourself. Test and see for yourself. Try it for two weeks. More green, less red, less white. So I'm going to give you a couple of simple tips, all right? We're almost done. You're like, oh, please, make it stop. We're almost done. Look, a couple of simple tips. For moms, parents, and teenagers, if you want to eat more greens, you got to eat more variety. Spinach in every day, it's not going to make you Popeye, all right? It just makes you bored. Eat more variety. Parents, research suggests that the more you put on offer, the higher likelihood your kids will actually eat it. You got to serve more different kinds and more of them. I know how we do it because I grew up, you know, in a Bolivian household, and then I married into a Filipino household where it's just rice, 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 and a small little bowl of salad that nobody eats. You got to offer more. You got to offer more, and kids will eventually eat it. Number two, role model. Kids will not eat healthy if you do not eat healthy. Kids do not eat healthy if you do not eat healthy. A research published found out that dads eating affected kids eating more than moms. When dads ate healthier, the children tend to eat healthier. That's right, dads. I'm talking to you because we've made it their responsibility, but it's your responsibility. How you eat affects your children's eating habits more than theirs. Everybody knows mom eats good. She looks good. But we're just, ah, TV, ah. Research published suggests better eating habits in dads means better eating habits in kids. Come on, dad. Somebody say amen. You can do it. You can make a change. You can make a difference. You can. Just begin by role modeling. Number three, eat together. When you eat together, you encourage each other to participate. I know we do it at home. My kids sometimes go, oh, drag it. But when we eat together, we eat more veggies than when we don't. Because when we don't eat together, what do we eat? Fast food. Fast food. Fast food. And another tip, Costco people. Costco. Invest yourself. Buy a Takea. Get one of these. It's ice cold. Last ice cold for 24 hours. You will drink more. Four ounces. And I know you're thinking, ah, that's so expensive. No, it's two for 15 bucks. You can keep one in the car and one with you at work. Ice cold water will refresh you, will keep you clear, and get the toxins out your body. So I'm including that in there. More water, less sugar water, okay? More water, less sugar water. But you're like, oh, pastor, that too? Oh, well, here we go. Here we go. This was just published, just published 23 hours ago. Okay, just a few sips of soda or juice daily may increase your cancer risk by 18%. They found that one-third of a soda can per day, just a few sips, because I know some of y'all buy that little can. You know what I'm talking about. I don't drink it. Yeah, you that. Just a few sips, one-third of a soda can can you increase your risk by 18% of cancer. And the more you drink, the worse it is. Look at this. Men who drank at least two sodas a day had 30%, 29, higher risk of death. Women who drink two cans of soda a day have 63% higher risk of death. Stop drinking the soda. Pastor, I don't drink soda. I just drink juice. Guess what? It is the same thing. Every cup of juice has 21 grams of sugar. That's a lot. That's five teaspoons full of sugar. It's going to kill you. So more water, less sugar. 
water. Anybody? Anybody? Two weeks, friends. Two weeks. Listen, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. You can do whatever you like. You can do whatever you like, but not everything will be to your benefit. So live as free people, but don't use your freedom to cover up bad choices. God will reward your faithfulness. So here's my challenge. See for yourself. Two weeks. Eat more green. Less red or white meat. Eat more green. And, and, and to make matters uh, fun, uh, tag us. <laughs> Tweet at us. Whatever you want to call us. Uh, hashtag Bonita Avenue Church. Show me what you're eating. Show me what you're doing. That's what people do anyway, right? Your Instagrams are full of food. Oh, check me out. What I'm eating. Yeah, tell us. And we'll get on this together. Hashtag Bonita Summer Challenge. It's a thing. That's right. So <clears throat> two, two challenges so far. Eat less red, less white meat, more green. And number two, get moving. This is from last week. Get moving. My wife and I started the ministry last week. Run for your life. Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. Now, I know all you guys wanted to be there last week, but you were watching the Women's World Cup. I get it. You couldn't do it. Uh, but I'm inviting you to come. My uh, boss, I mean, my wife told me I didn't give you guys enough information. It's parking lot and gate A, the one closest to the church. Why, when you go here, turn left right there, and, and you, the first parking lot. The reason for that is because all the pros run on the other side where it's dirt and uneven. But if you're just starting out, go with me. It's paved. It's a long way. To, you don't have to run. You don't have to jog. Just get a brisk walk going. Ellen White says nothing replaces a brisk walk. But if you can, if you're already walking, come and run. If you jog, run. If you run, do sprints. Jump, squats, do more. Let's run for our lives. Let's eat for the glory of God, for the word of God says, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do it for the glory of God. Our body is the temple of God and how we use it, treat it, and live in it is a testimony of who we think he is. Don't you want to be 10 times better? Don't you want to be better at your profession? Don't you want to give a better testimony of who your God is that you put your trust in him? Eat more greens, less red, less white. More water, less sugar. Come on, family. You could do it. Two weeks. Do it. Test for yourself and tweet at me. Send me a picture. Let's get in on this together. Let's stand and sing together as we close our time together. And I invite you to come and join me tomorrow morning right here at Roar Park, 8 a.m., you don't have to be a pro. You don't have to wear spandex. Just come and walk with me. Bring your dogs. Let's get moving. Let's honor God with our bodies. Let's praise him with our song.